The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing, everyone. <laughs> Listen, I always forget Damien to like intro the show. Like sometimes we'll just like go right into talking to each other because we like haven't seen each other for a few days. And then we we find ourselves in the middle of the show and we're like, wait a minute. We have to actually properly intro, so uh, this is usually falls on me. Welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing, everyone. I'm Darren Karp, and I am with my gorgeous podcast host, who looks stunning today, Damien. Just kidding. I'm with Liz Colley. <laughs> See how I set herself up for that one? I'm with Liz Colley. Liz, how you doing today? Well, um, I don't know. Are you out? Are you out and festivusing today? I am. Well, you know, I am... Yeah, I'm out. I'm out and festiving. Uh, that okay. really threw me for a loop. I didn't really know how to respond to that. Um, Do you like that? Well, I know. I'm out and I'm and I'm fine and I'm happy and I'm excited <laughs> because we are starting this exciting <clears throat> episode with somebody who I've been LinkedIn connected with for a very long time. Didn't know if you knew that, Ooh. but so you know, I'm a big fan, and we've talked about this a little bit on the show. So you guys have scissored like professionally, professionally. like when you're. T- when you touch LinkedIn, that's listen. Okay. I'm a okay. big fan of adding everyone and anyone on LinkedIn. And Damian oh. Navarro, who is the executive oh. director of Outfest, which is happening out oh, in ow. Los Angeles um, now. That's right. I added you quite some time ago, probably because my thirsty ass wanted to be invited in some capacity. Mm. That kind of makes sense. At least she's honest, Damian. At least she's honest. <laughs> you know what? I think I added myself to Outfest a couple years ago because my thirsty ass wanted to be invited too. So we're both we're both in the same the same bucket on Outfest. Well, Damien, thank you for joining. Tell us how long you've uh, been a part of Outfest for. So the reason we're actually probably connected is I have only been at Outfest for just over two years. I was brought on oh, right. Wow. I was literally inaugurated and given my princess crown a day after the 2019 festival finished. They allowed me to speak and walk around and be like, look what you get. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. It hasn't been long at all. And before that, I was in advertising and media for probably almost 15 years running my own media shop uh, in Orange County and then Los Angeles. And then I was in brand entertainment running one of Connie Nass actually owned the company at one point, um, Vimby, oh, which was a yeah. Mark Burnett company. Well, then maybe so pres- we've been connected not because of Outfest, actually. I wasn't going to like, I, I like the story oh, that you okay. wanted to come to Outfest, but I'm like, I think we. I Damian, think it's way more boring and way deeper than we even, I, I was going like to say, just like, let it go, you know? Just I think let it was it like go. a South by 2016. Oh, and God. CES Don't and, do it. Don't yeah. talk about that. So you joined Outfest in 2019 and really walked into, let's just be honest here, sort of a difficult time in regards to primarily film, right? Yeah. And and a big part of Outfest is the fest, right? Yes. How have you kind of reimagined the community of Outfest? Like what surprised you? How, how did you tackle it? Like, give us some, I don't know. I find it really interesting. Like you kind of dove right in. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, first, like everybody in this world, we were like, what the fuck is happening? Um, and <laughs> I think we were all, 
You mean we a were, smell as you didn't, tasteless disease? You didn't predict disease? this, Damien? We you didn't predict it? Sundance that year, you know, we, we were at, which is really 2020, which is crazy that it was last year's Sundance. Uh, but I think there was a lot of us that were just sitting there and it was like kind of like in a Comet movie, you know, or an Armageddon movie when all of a sudden, you know, on the background, like World War Z in those first couple scenes where you hear like the news broadcast going in the corner and they're like, oh, they should be paid attention to that. Sure. I felt like we were in that moment where like, oh, look at that thing in China. Oh, that's, oh, that doesn't look good. And then unfortunately being married to a physician and, and a scientist and too, way too many smart friends that I wanted to turn all off. They were like, so if you look at the variability between this data point, you know, this is going to be here. No. It's not going to happen here. And so, I mean, all of us are going through that personally. And then professionally, you're just, you start putting things off just a little bit. I think all of us were like, oh, okay, well, if we just move things out three weeks, we're good. Oh so remember when we thought it was day, like, just like well, let's just April put out 1, we'd August be out of it. We're like, April time. 1, clean and break, new month, we're good. Darren and I are like, no big deal. We'll be like just in New York on the NBC float. It'll be great. Like, don't worry about it. How uh, cute were those days? Weren't those days fuck. cute? Okay. <laughs> but that was the natural response. Yeah, that's the normal response. It was the natural response. And I mean, the thing is, is like, listen, I, I come from a very long world in digital media and tech and streaming and launching channels and running. So from a, from a business standpoint, I I wasn't too worried because these are things that I was brought in to do. They were just three to five years in the strategic plan, not three to five months. But I knew how to do those things. One of the things I think you you hit on immediately was like the community, because I think there was a sudden terror of yep. like, listen, when we're independent filmmakers, I went to little Cal State Fullerton Film School. You put your lives into these things and all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, I, how do I get this stuff seen? And we had, we had the spectrum of our film, you know, never mind fans and audiences were like, I, they are, I know they're holding everything back on my streaming platforms, you know, because not, you couldn't watch anything. And then over here, we're seeing this incredible um, landslide of content just being stopped from ever being seen. And we know how it is that if it all releases at once, everything's going to get lost. And it's the nuance of things right now within our community that I think are so important for people to be able to capture. The nuance in the stories that we're telling, the nuance in the needs and the demands from, from individual um, community members from the, you know, especially the QT BIPOC communities. And those were the things that you really had to listen closely to because it used to be that you could wipe away and do an Outfest Los Angeles or do a, you know, a this or that or a Pride Month and everybody seemed like, okay, I guess I'm fine. But then when Black Lives Matter started and other things are like, oh, this, this is systemic. This is way deeper than we thought. And can we take this moment to truly impact what, in ways that we never had? if it was just another Outfest Los Angeles that was going to come through in six months. So all of those things kind of happen at once. And I like to say that we, between the board and the staff and our community really guiding us, kind of hit it on the nose. Well, I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably are aware of Outfest, uh, but maybe not have attended or things like that. And I'm right. curious for you as someone who kind of like knows how the meat's made and know, you know, what's going on at inner workings of Outfest. I mean, this is like, I think it's the 39th one, I believe I read that that's happening right now. And I'm curious, I know you only joined, you know, two years ago, but how have you sort like, what is the film criteria? Is it films made by out queer, just for the lack of a better term here to kind of capture everyone here, uh, filmmakers? Is it the subject? Is there criteria that you absolutely have to hit in order to submit to Outfest? Can you walk us through that a little bit? 
Um, so, so one of the things that's really good to reset is there is the Outfest Org and Outfest Los Angeles, which is the th the namesake film festival that is celebrating its 39th yeah. year. And Outfest Org, <clears throat> and really what my my job is getting on soapboxes is to really explain why this org is so different than many of our counterparts that do have film festivals, seasonal festivals. So the org has other programs that we're also running other than just a festival that we had to adapt to, uh, a film restoration and preservation program in which 40,000 titles have been preserved and, and 26 films have been restored with UCLA, a transacting fellowship, an outset young filmmakers six month film lab. Wow. Uh, what else we got? A screenwriting lab. Um, uh, the Outset Outfest Fusion, which is our QT BIPOC film festival that is about a, now a third of the size of Outfest Los Angeles that happens in the spring. That Amazing. was the first one that was up. And so so all of these things you're working through. But <clears throat> when it comes to like um, your second part of the question, which is what are we looking for today? Because it, 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 it's changing. It's evolving. You know, listen, this was there was no shock. This was predominantly, you know, a cis male film festival started by a couple of students at UCLA back in the 80s, and it has now blossomed to to be a global international film festival. I think we have 50 international films this year, um, 23 different countries represented, 13 different languages. Like, because we're Los Angeles, we have this opportunity and kind of the, 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 the pressure to make sure that we are representing this metropolitan, but also globally being on the Pacific Rim, especially with you know asian stories and those not being represented there's there's a lot that goes into the curation of what we what we want to see these days and so nuance becomes really important like there's the filmmaker andrew ron who did that film driveway um that was not an on-the-nose queer film quintessential queer film we had a lesbian film that closed out alpha los angeles in 2019 that again it just happened to be that the sisters were lesbian but they're running a theater I, Course, I can't remember the name. So lesbian, yeah. So but, running a theater, so lesbian. <laughs> running a theater, you know, dad's trying to get involved. Um, yes. But those, <clears throat> I think that's what we're looking for now is is a, a, a much greater breadth right. because it's being created. You know, I think before you had to kind of put out an APB and say, this is what we're looking for. We're getting way too many of these stories. Um, and we think this is important for our community to be able to see as well. And then also bringing in the mainstream. Like we've never, I, I think up until last year um, or in 2019, Circus of Books had just been picked up by Netflix. This year, everybody's talking about Jamie, our opening film is distributed by Amazon. And that is happening more and more where filmmakers also need us in different ways. If you are Isabella Berman, you're doing a film, The Novice, that came out of the screenwriting lab in Outfest, <clears throat> you are most likely gonna have distribution quicker than the stories that aren't getting that type of visibility much earlier on at the other festivals. So we're really also focusing on those stories that aren't that aren't getting the yeah. platforms early. I'm also curious, so just piggybacking on what I said, because you kind of mentioned how like, you know, one thing that Liz and I have sort of learned over the year and a half of doing this and interviewing dozens, you know, 20 something people, is that there's so much nuance within the queer community. And one person's term might be very offensive to another person who really wants to reclaim it. And so there's just it's so many differing opinions. Not every queer person is the same queer person. And I'm wondering for you in your experience, have you ever come across a film or a message in a film that you didn't necessarily feel comfort, comfortable platforming, but that you felt like because it was a voice that we should hear from, that you should platform mm -hmm. it? Is there anything that you could think of? 
A lot. I mean, I think one of the things that I heard, and I'm I'm not going to say specific names sure. for obvious sure. reasons, but there was a film recently that 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 was a legacy film, a film from our past that we had either restored or wanted to bring back in um, that wasn't necessarily using right. pronouns correctly or mm-hmm. was really playing was playing into a lot of tropes. And those were things that we had many young people coming out of that going, I wish they had given us a little bit more context, like kind of like Disney now does before some of their older films. Like a trigger warning or something kind of thing. Kind of racist. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. So we we are coming across that. Now, we've also had, I was saying, we at our picnic in the park last year, we had a beautiful queer young kid and dad kind of superheroish type of film by two allies, two Latinos that had had produced and created this film. It was a beautiful film. There was a couple moments that were right. a little cringy, um, but we still showed it, you know, and, 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 and that's something that we obviously are very conscious of. But what I do like to coach people through is like, listen, we're more like a museum. There are so many socially conscious organizations that we want to partner with to make sure that people have the right resources if they see something that they're triggered by or that they're offended by that they have that we are bringing in the people that are necessary to have that conversation once they exit the theater or once they've seen it. But we're in, in like a museum there. I mean, listen, I'm offended the minute I walk out my door by something, yeah. but, but that's something also that I've also had to say is like, we have to be very careful on us becoming right. too much of a gatekeeper in order to protect people's feelings and, and, and not be triggered. And, and because something really deserves to be seen. Um, but it is a fine balance. It's a conversation that I don't think we've ever had as much between you know, leadership, programming teams, the media, our communities, you know, GLAD does such a great job of, of trying to get in there and make sure that from the, you know, from script development onwards, they're doing it right. We're playing a much larger game here. We need to not only showcase the films, the stories that, that are coming out from either Hollywood or rural America, but also getting more people into the industry, whether it's in media, whether it's in entertainment, whether it's business affairs, accounting, production assistance, like that is where we're trying to input the 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 other side of the of the you know, of what would you call the funnel? Um, not to be geeky, but this episode that you're on today, um, we also have Leah Delaria on. So what's like who like who's a famous person that you're like geeked over since you joined Outfest. I mean, when I saw that we were we were doing Isabel Furman's, you know, film, I'm a huge, huge super nerd and and fanboy of their work. Um, that was definitely something that I think I was pretty geeky. When I saw that I got to talk to John Cameron Mitchell to help celebrate the 40th, you know, whatever the 20th anniversary of, of Hedwig. I mean, I run into people that I'm, a, uh, you know, the thing is, is I'm very much a Comic-Con kid and also oh. an indie film nut. And so when those combination, so that, you know, yeah. So when we see things like we have this documentary about no straight lines, about, you know, queer and lesbian um, influence in um, in comic books and comic creation, like that's those intersectional stories now that we're starting to see more of that bring together my own worlds. Because one of the things I heard from so many community members, is like, I feel like I have to choose. Am I being gay today or am I being a black woman? Am I being a lesbian? Am I doing this? And, and, and oh, you know, because, and, and am I supposed to go to over here to watch this film festival? Because that's the only place that I'm seeing 80% of my life hmm. represented. And so that is the place of intersectionalism that I think I'm starting to geek out on is seeing, you know, people like Octavia Spencer that's coming on board and executive and executive producing on a film around HIV. Wow. Um, and, and, and you're starting to see more and more of where these huge A-list names can make a real impact by supporting the independent film stories. Love it. 
I, 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 one, one last question for you is as you kind of embark on your journey, hopefully post COVID world, or at least open world with where we can live with COVID, where do you want to see, what's the, what do you want to see Outfest do? I mean, is it a matter of getting accessibility into the places that maybe those people really do need it the most, not the West Hollywoods of the world, but other smaller communities that might have people that just can't access West Hollywood for wherever it is? Is it the types of films you want to see? What's your kind of goal with everything? Where do you want to see Outfest in 10 years, let's say? I think in 10 years from now, what I like to tell people is that we've been waiting for for millennia for a safe space for all arts, media, and entertainment people to be able to come together and enjoy each other's work um, for us, for our community, uh, and for members within our community that are the subsets of our community. And it's never happened. That area, that space, that event, those festivals, or those screenings, we always still end up coming away feeling icky because there undoubtedly is something and somebody at some level, to your point earlier, that made a decision about something that is highly offensive or unsensitive or doesn't really take into account our traumas and our feelings. If we can become the arts, media, and entertainment organization that is led by queers, that envelops everybody, and that yes, you allies can come and enjoy yourselves and show your work right alongside ours, that's our goal and our mission. And if that can be international, and especially going into areas where people are not allowed to be out, not allowed to be queer, and still we are starting to see, you know, stories like from Nigeria, um, you know, Vietnam, these, these stories are making their way through. Those are the new areas we need to support because this is a much smaller world than we ever thought possible. And young people are demanding it. And if we do not evolve, we'll be gone. And that's okay too, because there's lots of times there's organizations that had their need at some point. But if we do not take this moment to truly understand what is happening and think through how do we really provide much more impact moving forward, then we won't survive it either. Wow. I mean, there you, there you go. Um, Damien. Damien, thank you for surviving us today. That's what we wanted to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Damien, for the listeners, you know, because we are blessed with having listeners that live all over of the all place. Of life. If somebody yes. is not able to make it to Outfest this year or next year or whatever, I feel like there is a digital component that you can tell everyone about. Yes? No? Maybe? Uh, Yes, absolutely. So um, one of the things that I think I'm so excited about all festivals as we move forward is that we, I think we're gonna start to see permanent hybrids where, um, because when we talk about accessibility, most people can't fly to Sundance and, you know, find an Airbnb for $6,000 a night. Um, So for us, yes, uh, I would say, I think it's almost 95% of our our festival programming this year will be online, will be available for streaming. Um, We have a digital all access pass for $150. Um, we also can, I think it's $10 to to download um, or to download or stream um, almost every single film. So if you go to the website, Outfest LA 2021, you will see most films when you find them have two options, buy in-person tickets or buy a streaming ticket. And uh, that will be on an app that you can run on your television, your phone, your laptop, wherever that might be. So, um, and you know, what, one of the things that I get so excited is my husband and I, during the week of Outfest Los Angeles, end up just having our streaming nights. And it's really getting to all those films that you would have loved to have seen, but you can't make your way from downtown to West Hollywood in less than five minutes. To no, make, you to cannot. <laughs> um, so yes. And that probably is changing the we, game, by the way. Just having someone in Kansas whatever screen a film that they wouldn't have normally been able to get into LA and is just going to open the doors. I mean, how could it not tremendously? 
the stories that we got last year from people, because we also have a financial um, uh, uh, financial hardship survey that they can fill out and receive a full digital access complimentary. Um, the and we ask for a little narrative just so we can document for our grants. So sure. like who's who's using this? The stories we got, there was an 85 year old man oh, who had been married his entire life, is now a widow, who has been queer <gasps> his entire life. I'm gonna cry. Who, who found this for the first time and like saw his own story beautifully there and through wow. series of films and was just like, and these are the things that we're touching every day. So it's like the work has just barely begun. I feel like we're a startup, you know, in so many ways because it's like Los Angeles, you're good for the most part, lots of work over here, but for the, you know, from a queer perspective, now it's time to to really get our word out and get this content into the hands in rural communities that are desperately seeking it. Well, to and that makes it all worth it. Just that one eighty five year old dude, like who's lived in his queer. I mean, that's got to feel incredible, and I'm sure for him, it's got to feel incredible. And I, I, I we thank Super you. Stuff, yeah, man. we thank you for the work that you're doing because I'm sure that there's a ton of people out there you don't even know that you're reaching and touching for lack of like they're not responding back or whatever. Um, but yeah, you just do such great work. The whole team does. And we're lucky to get to talk to you today, Damien. Oh, I appreciate it. Well, honestly, it takes you to tango. It takes you helping to get our stories out. And that's really, really important for us. So I want to thank both of you for, for your incredible work. Um, because it's all of us working together in this crazy entertainment world that we're going to make real change. So thank you. Thank you so much, Damien. You're amazing. All right, everyone, we are so excited about introducing our next guest. Now, full disclosure, Liz is a little hungover, and our next guest has a very long biography. Sorry to call you out, Liz, but it's true. Thanks, and Darren. It looks like, I, we're real, like you're not going to be the one that I have on the no, witness stand ever. Sweetie, I love to troll you. That's why I'm here, babes. And it just needs well, to happen. Well, you know what, Darren? Beautiful. When, you, when you're a little good. older like me, you just wait and see what it's like to fucking have 400 oh. glasses of wine. It's not fun. <laughs> That's okay. fair. That's fair. I'm not as old as you. That's fair. Uh, but our next guest is, I mean, she doesn't even need an introduction, yet I'm going to give her one of the longest ones I think I've ever given. We've, hey, and this is coming from her camp. I'm not as old as you, but our next guest is. <laughs> and then it was this pause. <laughs> Well, and also in full, even more full disclosure, because I feel like we're just really starting this off with like sheer Real honesty. Bang. I yes. had to cut down your bio because it got to the it's point so where I was like, well, we only have like 30 minutes with like, I don't even know. Like <laughs> she's got a schedule. The, so acc the accolades are just out of control the, and very deserved. So continue, very deserved. Darren. the oldest person we've ever talked to in our entire life. <laughs> uh, our guest today Darren. is Leah Delaria. She who is just absolutely amazing, seems to have achieved overnight stardom with her three times SAG award winning standout role as Carrie Big Boo Black in the Netflix hit series Orange is the New Black. However, Delaria's multifaceted career as a comedian, actress and jazz musician yes. has in fact spanned decades. Leah holds the distinction of being the first openly gay comic on television in America, which led to countless television and film roles portraying police lieutenants, <laughs> PE teachers, <laughs> and the lesbian who inappropriately hits on straight women, which if you're going to be a lesbian, you got to be a police lieutenant, a PE teacher, and a lesbian who hits on straight women. That's just part of the role of being gay in our world. Uh, Leah was featured vocalist at the 50th anniversary of the Newport Jazz Festival, which is incredible if you've never been, has performed in some of the most prestigious houses in the world, Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, Chicago Symphony, Hollywood Bowl, 
among uh, Sydney Opera House, for fuck's sake. I mean, she's got five records on the Warner Jazz and Classics label and her book, Leah's Book of Rules for the World, is just absolutely incredible. And she plays so many roles. I can't even get into it because she's probably too busy to give us an hour and a half of her time and we only get 30 minutes. Leah Delaria, welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. Thanks for having me. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I tired to listen to that. Hey, you, I cut it down from Liz's cut down, Leah. Yeah, so that was, true. that's You that's left cut out down. my favorite part of the resume, though, that I wrote the U-Haul joke. That was a quite Leah, you just buried the damn lead. All right, well, fine, fine, fuck it. Let's start with that. Let's let's, let's start that with was it. a question that I had. Let's talk I, about the We weren't the sure if it was urban legend or not. Yeah. This is no, you can defend. Legend. No, no, okay. no. I did a show called Lesbo a Go-Go back in like it was 1988. And um part of the show was people were handed these three by five cards, very high tech. Very high-tech <laughs> comedy show. They are handed these three-by-five cards, and then they wrote down questions. I did a segment um, about how I knew everything and could answer all your questions. And this one woman wrote this joke. It, did, it wrote this thing. She was like, my hair, she said all these horrible things about herself. My teeth are yellow, my blah, blah, blah. It just went on and on and on and on and on. And she said, then she goes, for the first time, I have a second date, which was, you know, she was being, it was funny. She says, so for the first time in my life, I have a second date and I don't know what to bring. And I said, well, if you're like most lesbians on a second date, you'll bring a U-Haul. And um, that's, and it was not only did I write the joke, but it was like, it was just spontaneous, came, you know, out of, out of thin air wrote the joke. And, and I just kept the joke. But seriously, I had to cut it from my show because it beat me to the West coast. Like I was doing this in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Right. And I would do, I would do my summer season there. And then I would tour the West coast in the winter. It beat me to the West coast. I had to cut it for my show. And then it just became this thing. It was everywhere. I mean, it was just everywhere within, uh, within six months, every dyke in the universe knew that joke. And uh, yeah, but, and it was mine. But like, do we need to hire one of those, those creepy lawyers online that like goes and finds you residuals because like I really do. <laughs> yeah, you should I mean, get like a streaming residual for every time a damn person makes this joke. Because I mean, this well, is the classic yeah. lesbian joke. And it's been in everything. I mean, it, I, I turn on television shows that it's in it. That, that, you know, they make the joke and I'm like, yeah, fucking be kidding me. But, you know, what are you going to do? At least people do know. I mean, if you look at Wikipedia, the U-Haul joke, it says that I wrote it you know, certain things like that. But uh, it's just, you know, one of those things. What can I say? I'm part of their culture. Well, it's a perfect joke. It is a it's perfect a, joke. Yes, and that's it, Leah. That's the only thing you've contributed to that's queer it. culture that's as far as I we're mean. concerned. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and, you know, you're straight, so that's even worse. It's not even authentic. You know, that's the yeah. that's the unfortunate part here, Leah. It's just Yeah, I'm actually heterosexual. This entire thing has been a career move. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to get more jobs. That's what it yeah, is. That's yeah. what it is. To get <laughs> yeah, exactly. To get more. Big, big dyke rolls that they write. Yes. <laughs> You're no, typecast. What can we say? Yes. We typically <laughs> ask all of our guests how they would like us to identify them and how they prefer to be identified. Do you mind identifying yourself for us? <laughs> she laughs. I don't want to treat you any differently because if I start going off script, I'm going to get very nervous and it, I know. I'm going to derail I know. the whole goddamn thing. So Leah, would you mind identifying yourself for us my and the listeners? My gender preferred pronoun is Empress. <laughs> we heard that from a we mutual actually, friend. 
Erica Rose told me this. She's like, oh, if Erica. you meet Leah, you gotta say Empress. And we were like, all right, Erica, I got you. Like, we got this inside scoop. But now. for the listeners, they know I said, and actually, I'm just gonna ask you. I said, Erica, if I'm at the West Hollywood Dog Park again, which I tend to frequent, if I see Leah again, should I just walk up to her and say Empress? Like, what would you do if I did that? Would you love it, or would you be like, you're a creep? No, okay. no, no. I would, I would laugh. Okay. I would absolutely laugh, you know, cause I've got that nickname, the Lord of the lesbians. So a lot of women call me Lord, but you know, the reality is I'll try to be serious for five seconds. I thought the whole concept was that uh, gender is so fucking passe, which I think it is. So when somebody calls me, sir, I answer. When somebody calls me, ma'am, I answer. When somebody calls me empress, I answer. If they're talking to me, I know they're talking to me and I answer. So, you know, I, I could give a fuck what people call me is basically what I mean when I say Empress. I was going to say, like, why not emperor? Because we're Lord. Why not? You know, not Lord S or whatever. It's just, it's just, why not? You're fucking with society. Yeah. Why? It's ludicrous. It's funnier. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Just me being funny. Well, it's interesting because, you know, that's one of the things I love about you. You're like, I'll answer. Like, call me Leah. I don't give a shit. Like, whatever you want to do. Was that always the case with you? Because you obviously came out in a time that was not cool to be gay. Yeah, I do this. I actually uh, speak at universities a lot and I talk a lot about this and uh, about uh, gender confusion, especially, you know, in the 80s. And sometimes sometimes I would just be fine with it. And other times I would make I would be mean and make some a funny joke. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. There's a classic story about me being on in American Airlines in business class and the flight attendant who was like, Okay, there's no way to describe how queenie this guy was. Okay, I mean, he was like, (laughs) his feet didn't even touch the fucking ground as he was serving us our drinks. You know what I'm saying? He was like, he was a trolley dolly. That's what he was. And he just had his little cart going down. And he looks at me and he says, what do you have, young man? And I looked and I thought, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) I'm gayer than me. He goes, what do you have, young man? And I said, a vagina. Stop it. <laughs> and what did he do? What did he do? Was he like, <laughs> he went, what? And then he realized, yeah, the mistake he made. And uh, he went, oh, sorry. And I went, don't worry. It happens all the time. You know, obviously it's a look I'm going for. So, right, right. Yeah. You know, you're like, I'm really committed to this. <laughs> I'm actually. committed to this, this. I'm committed to this witch look. Yeah. yeah. It's just only inked on her arm. That's it. Yeah, yeah literally. Right, exactly. So it's, it's all good. It's all good with me. But it was just so funny to me coming from a guy who was gayer than me. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. That, that's like no completely something about your culture, son. Well, you've got butch True. on your arm. Tell us what being butch or what butch means to you. I, I'm trying, guys. I'm just, you got, <laughs> just go with it. Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm guys. I'm, I'm nervous. What um, am I supposed to I mean, do? We like to tap into the intellectual well, side of these things. Which means to me that, you know, I carry everything. I'm feeding, I'm feeding you material. I mean, she's got the wallet and the keys in the I pockets. I got the wallet. I got the keys. I got the, you know, I, I can mow your lawn. I can take out the trash. I can do your laundry. I can cook you dinner. I can pick out wine. I can paint your hall. I have got a long <laughs> one right here. Yeah, I've got a long one. I can eat the shit out of your pussy. And uh, yeah. And uh, am I missing anything? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really, I I can fuck the shit out of you. So as long (laughs) as I can do all those things, I think I'm carrying the butch moniker the way it should be carried. How's that? 
Do you see any distinction between being a dyke and being butch? There are different kinds. There are, there are several. There are several kinds of butches, but um, a dyke is just a dyke. You know what I mean? You're a dyke. I'm a dyke. Wouldn't you like to be a dyke too? So yeah. um, <laughs> I'm. I'm a, I'm butch a dyke guy. too. I'm a mass. I'm masculine of center lesbian, a gender yes. non-conforming lesbian. All these all these phrases and terminologies that we've had in the last few years all apply to me. You know, I've always been around. We've always been around butches. Well, there would be no dyke community without us butches. Let me tell you, I love a butch here. Literally, I, Liz is. <laughs> I can tell you do, Liz. She loves a butch. I she do. She loves a butch. I do. And love she a has butch. been trying to get into these like dykey butch parties in the lesbian circuit for years. In and LA. Liz can't get in because she shows up in like this florally dress and everyone's always like, Ooh, First of I don't all, know it's if you're gay. Fashion, Darren. And I that is cool. some fucking bullshit. That used to happen to my she's- best friend all the time. We'd go to a dyke bar and they would look at me and they would go, sister, you're welcome. And then they'd turn to her and go, you know, this is a, you know, this is a lesbian bar. And she'd be like, that's why I'm here. And yeah, she'd right. run in. It's like, I don't understand why that happens to femmes. What the fuck is wrong with the people in our own community who can't spot? I can spot a dyke a mile away. I don't care Million. if she's wearing a dress. I don't care if she's wearing overalls. I don't care if she's, <laughs> you know, got if she's got a stripper on her face. I can confirm yeah. this on the dance floor of Giorgio's. You spotted me and I was <laughs> swerving around in God knows probably six inch oh, heels. Oh, well, you swerved, and Liz, goal, of course. Oh, I was Leo's swerving. Be- I used to swerve. First of all, I went Liz to the can- first Giorgio's that ever happened. Now it's no longer, but you, I'm sure I went right over to you. You did. Your- you spotted me sure from a did. mile away and you're like, oh, and yeah. she eats pussy. I was like, <laughs> let me ask you, let me ask you this, Leah. Wait, Leah, are you drinking a beer? No, I wish I was. Okay. Oh, Cause I was going to be like, that's the ultimate butch thing to do. And I love this. Lesbians oh, eat lesbians what? Oh my God, eat I'm what? dead. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to, dr- I was like, should I drink a beer? And then I thought, are they going to judge me if I drink a beer? So no. this is actually LaCroix. No. Oh, we will not. No judge judgment you. here. Let me ask you this though, Leah, because you know, you've been out, you know, for so long and you've seen such probably this major shift in gay culture. Even for me, I'm 33 years old. I've seen a shift since I've come out. I've been out for 15 years. Like, definitely a grave shift. Is there anything that offends you or like there is there any word that bothers you? I mean, we have, you know, we talked about the story of you wearing the, you haven't gone into it yet, but Liz has talked about the story of you wearing the faggot shirt at right. uh, Hollywood dog park. Now yeah. we've talked to people on the show. Sometimes people are like, no, I embrace faggot. Other people are like, if you call me a faggot, I will fucking kill you. Like we've had people, Bob Harper being one who's talked about this a little bit. What is your, your, if someone came up to you and was like, hey, faggot, would you care? We've been having this argument. For example, that, that shirt, faggot, that I was wearing was a Lady, Larry Kramer book that came out in 1979. It's a yes. major part of, of queer history and how we affected a change in the course of our history. It's called reclamation. We are certainly not the first community to do it, and we certainly will not be the last. You take the hateful words that they throw at you and you turn them around and make them positive. They yep. call you a dyke. I am a dyke. I'm a dyke. Right. What's wrong with that? And uh, that's the idea. It's just reclamation. It's a political tool. And um, we've been doing that. Oh, my God. I've been my whole life. I've been fighting this battle. You know, I've been an openly gay comic since 1982. Right. So, right. I mean, this is all I've ever done. Never had a day job. That's not true. I had a day job before that. I was a carpenter, a construction worker. Um, 
But uh, wow, what a weird thing for a lesbian to be, Leah. That's so non-stereotypical. I mean, Liz is dying. She's gonna have to take a break because she's like, well, I just have so many. I have so many projects I need built. (laughs) I, 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 you you know, I have always do. You always do, you fems. Anyway, (laughs) um, but I used to get that shit. I used to get this shit in the '80s all the time. I had this great joke about it, where I would say, "What's the difference between a dyke and a lesbian?" Is about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm dead. And, you know, <laughs> although now due to inflation, it might be three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But yeah, I originally wrote the joke; it was seventy five thousand dollars. That was oh, okay <laughs> in the eighties. But you know, again, people should be allowed to call themselves whatever they want to call themselves. But when I hear somebody say, "I get pissed if somebody calls me a faggot," sounds like internalized homophobia to me. Sounds oh. like self hatred to me. And you know, I wore a t shirt. I was a grand marshal of uh, the Chicago queer pride. And I wore a T-shirt that said Dyke on it. Right. And I posted that T-shirt and I had so many people come. Why don't Dyke is an ugly word and blah, 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 blah. And my response to every one of them was, you know, sounds like self-loathing to me. Sounds like somebody's got wow. you know, a self-hate issue that they need to talk to their therapist about, but not the Lord of the Lesbians. Correct. You know, I, I actually couldn't agree more with you. I do think words sometimes are just words. Meaningless symbols. Yes, they're meaningless symbols that that person is putting on me, not of which I want to put on myself. So it's your problem if you find that word offensive, not me to say it. Like, I I, I do think there is a little bit of like a performance of people being offended by a lot of words these days. Do you find that as well? Hell yes. And that's a big issue for me. And frankly, this is why we have this ridiculous rainbow alphabet fucking soup that we're supposed to say all the time. You know, if they didn't have such self-hatred, we would be queer. Right. But since they loathe the word queer for some reason, we have to say gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, transsexual, um, ally. I, you know, I, oh, I'm not going to do the queer. I'm not going to do the Q thing. This Q stands yeah. for questioning. Why what? do we have to fuck? them if even they don't know who the fuck they are you know what i mean the <laughs> so look and I, re- I refuse it and that to me is the issue that kind of modicoddling is is just it's the issue if what it does to me is shows our differences rather than our shared oppression so yes. if we were, yes. we were all just queer then we are all just queer and we're all a part right. of the same community. And every time we add a fucking letter, we're chipping away at our own goddamn community. And I understand yeah. that it's visibility is fucking important. I get it. But queer visibility is important. Queer visibility is just as important. And having community is just as important. You talked about briefly and kind of aligned with what my feeling has been when I have gone to many a gay and primarily lesbian space where they're like, Oh, you're not, you're not lesbian enough or you queer enough. Oh, like, God, oh God, you got, you know, I always make the joke, Leah, that like, you know, I walk Leah, into you a should lesbian be warned, Liz is bisexual. So only talk to oh, half then, of her. Okay. Uh, uh, no, yeah. Well, just, actually, just actually hold on though. <laughs> True. And the, and the reason why if I'm being, and I don't give a fuck. We've talked about this on the show. You can call me a, a lesbian. I've called myself <clears throat> a dyke many times. Yes. I am sorry, Leah, to, I have to be honest. I am married to a woman. She's a butch somewhere running around this house. She's don't a butch around. Yeah. But no, but I mean, and I, the only reason why I always specify that is because I do feel really queer. Like I don't just feel like a lesbian. I'm, I'm myself, right? I'm uniquely myself. 
what is your thoughts? We we've talked about it a lot about misogyny, especially towards lesbians within the queer community. Specifically gay men. It's rampant. It's rampant. And look, we're a microcosm of societies. Therefore, we're going to have all the issues that are contained within our society. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's racism within our community. Oh, 100%. You know, there's anti-trans sentiment within our community. It's all there. And, you know, as long as we talk about it, recognize it and work on fixing it, good for us. Uh, The misogyny, please don't even don't even fucking start me. Here's the best. This is the way I can point it out in show business. If they cast a non-trans person in a trans role, the entire community goes crazy. If they cast a non-gay man in a gay role, the entire community goes crazy. If they cast a non-lesbian in a lesbian role, they go, yeah, that's the male fantasy. Let's, Let's keep that up. Nobody says a fucking word about it. Why? They're misogynists. They don't care about us. They don't care about lesbians. We are second class citizens and we need more support with, from within our own community in a variety of different places. It's one of the reasons that I joined with the, with the girls on uh, the lesbian bar project. You know, yeah. we right. need more visibility. People need to see that this is happening. I mean, I just found out that gingers is one of the oldest dive bars in New York is now permanently closed. I, now. It breaks my heart. I'm, yeah. I live in Brooklyn. So it breaks my fucking heart. We're not getting the support that, Stonewall gets. We're just not. And it's because I think of, I think, misogyny. I agree. What do you think of drag culture? Because part, I've talked about this before and, you know, Liz sort of, I work in reality TV and Liz has sort of gotten me into watching RuPaul's Drag Race and I'm sort of this newcomer to it. And I appreciate, I'm glad it's winning all its enemies, enemies, visibility and stuff. There's some trans drag queens now, but some of it does feel a little misogynistic to me when it's like you're dressing up as a woman and calling each other like bitches and sluts and like whores. There's something that feels kind of wrong about it to me. Do you not get that sense? Am no. I just being overly sensitive that or something? Sounds very second wave, second wave feminism to me. But um, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. Because think about it in this way. Try here. I'm going to I mean, you have a right to think whatever you think, but try thinking of it this way. Drag has yeah. always been a part of the queer culture especially the gay male culture. And honestly, it's been a big part of who we are as dykes as well. You know, there are many, many dykes that passed as, passed as men in drag. Now, what, what, the gay, what gay boys did was they took it to another level. It's like it's entertainment. And it always has been there. I feel it's more a part of queer culture than it is misogynistic towards women. That's and true. Also, That's true. When you get to the, you know, calling each other bitches and sluts and stuff like that, remember that we have a language in our community and it's called sarcasm. That's yeah. irony. Right. You, you got to really understand irony if you're going to be queer, because that's what we do. Fair. And in fact, that's how we've affected a lot of change in the world and in our lives through that kind of humor. So, yeah, I give it a pass to say that I'm a fan of drag. Like, do I go to drag shows? I go to very few drag shows and they have to be very, very special drag queens. Mm. How does that sound? Yeah. No, that's that's yeah. totally fair. Yeah, but I guess I think you're right. For me, it's hard to square. And yes, I, I I understand it's beacon in our culture, in queer, in the queer community. And it's I I watch the fucking show. I mean, I'm a, I'm a right. supporter of it. But for me, it's kind of odd that that there is some sort of like dressing up as women while also so much misogyny within the community and among them. Like I, it's hard for me to square that sometimes, which I think is where I'm coming from. You know, we're, we're a family, right? Right. By your own family for a minute. 
Yeah. Nice. I don't love everything that they do. (laughs) Certain things we accept and certain things we don't accept. And, you know, we have to deal with that in our own, our various own ways, um, how we want to change those kinds of things, you know, but, you know, Rue and I uh, both became famous in the queer community at the same time, 1993. So um, at that time, we were always at every huge gay pride together. So, you know, I, I actually adore Rue. I, I, I fucking adore him. Actually, when I did the Arsenio Hall show, when that, that first time when I yep. came out on television, I literally talked about Rue Hall. And I would say to all the listeners, you should obviously go and watch your you watch it. time on Arsenio, but also Rue's first time on Arsenio Hall yeah. too, because brilliant. it is it is brilliant. And he was really asked, like, I mean, Arsenio, I think, Listen, I mean, it was a different time. I think he was being as respectful as he could. He was being a pro, but he was like, what is that? You know what I mean? Especially in the black community. He's like, what is going on here? And Rue really handled it with a ton of grace. Were you scared when you went on the Arsenio Hall show? Or were Terrified. You- Are you yeah. kidding? Terrified. That was watched by 20 million people. Did anybody that was in the closet or closeted at that time reach out to you after you went on the Arsenio Hall show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of people. And that still goes on, especially now in the age of social media. You know, I get DMs from all over the world, all over the world. You've never responded to my DM, but that's fine. They're all from Liz and you've never responded, Leah, which is just absurd. She's the one trolling you over and over again. Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I thought you were cute. Maybe I thought you were QAnon trying to catfish me. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. By QAnon, she means queer anonymous, of course, yeah. everyone. That's what that's what QAnon means. I think exactly that's that's what Leah means here. For you, you know, you've always been, as you say, like you've always you're going to be cast as the gay woman. Like you're never going to be cast as someone who's like a femi straight person, right? Not true. Or is that wrong? Let's hear it. I'm an actor. I'll take any any role that I can get. Like the first, my first Broadway show, I played a straight girl that hadn't like needed to be laid yesterday. And I feel that. dress, heels, wigs, Me too. you can look that up very easily. And the boy I was chasing was Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Oh. Yeah. And that was the it. Best. That's how Jesse and I know each other. And Jesse and I have been best friends since 1997 when we were cast as boyfriend and girlfriend and on the town that was Shakespeare in the Park and then moved to Broadway. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I did it. I've done it many times since then, mostly theatrically. But right. for example, there's a movie that will be out. In fact, it'll be an outfest in August. It's called Potato Dreams of America. We just got picked up for theatrical release. So I believe in two months, it's going to start. It's going to play places like the IFC Center and places like that. Sure. And so if you have the kind of movie theater in your community, you will see this movie, Potato Dreams of America. And I play a 10-year-old boy's Russian grandmother. Oh, my. That must have been fun. Yeah. Yeah, that must have been hella fun. It is hella. This movie is surreal and interesting. Really interesting. And it's a true story. Oh. So there's something that happens in this movie. I don't want to give it away. But when it happens, you just go, oh, come on. That's not true. It's fucking true. Everything in this movie is true. And when the credits roll, they put us like there's a picture of me as as uh, because this is the director, Wes Hurley. It's his life. So about him growing up in Russia and then emigrating to Seattle with his mother when they you know, when she marries an American guy. 
and uh, him being gay and all, you know, the things he had to deal with as a gay kid in Russia and all of that stuff. And when they put me up next to his grandmother in the credit roll, they put the actors up next to. Oh, I love the when they do that. Well, yeah, yeah. So you can see this is a real and a true story. And uh, Wes is very, very, very interesting in the way he perceives a film and executes it. It's, for example, all the stuff in Russia is very dark. It's, it's very dark yeah. and very kind of Sienna looking in, in terms of the lighting. And then when they go to Seattle, everything's just sunshine and bright, which we all know Seattle is, Leah says sarcastically. But it's the whole look of the film is incredibly surreal. And uh, he really pulls it off. It's a great movie. Is there a role you wouldn't play? Yeah, I mean, if some kind of, if the KKK production okay. company asked <laughs> me to play, you know what I mean? Of course yeah. I'm not going to do that. But in terms of as an actor, um, you know, if I, if there's a role where I'm reading this and it means something and yeah, I'm, I'm going to play that part. Sure. I can't imagine me saying no to, to almost anything. Yeah. Is there something you haven't done yet that you're dying to do? I'm dying for somebody to write me a role in a new Broadway musical. That's the only thing left. It's yes. literally the only thing left. And I will be right there. We will it. be right yeah. there. How, why do you attribute, you know, when you say like people get upset when, you know, if trans actors, you know, not being cast in the trans role and, you know, a gay man's got to be played by a gay man, but lesbians is like, no one gives a shit. Cause it's like, it's the male fantasy. What do you kind of attribute that to? Because I would think that like lesbians would be put up on a pedestal, right? Because like men like us and women like us, but it's kind of like everyone not, looks at us yes, as less than. It's not us being put on a pedestal. It, pedestal. It's their fantasy. It's their straight boy fantasy that's being put on the pedestal. You know, I think Saturday Night Live did this fantastic sketch about that where it was a bunch of frat boys. This was years ago. A bunch of frat boys talking about how hot it would be to watch a couple of lesbians fuck and like going on and on and on about it. And then they bring out the monkey paw because why wouldn't they? And so <laughs> they, they make a wish on the monkey paw that two lesbians would appear and have sex. So Poth, this hot tub, is in the middle of their room. And it's Anna Gasteyer and Rachel Drack. And they are... The epitome of Northampton lesbians. There's like a one girl's a wart with hair that's coming out of it, <laughs> hair under their arms, and just yeah, just all, that whole thing. And they start going at it, and like the guys in the frat house are going, ah, like they can't, they can't look away. <laughs> it made me so good, so hard. It's so true. It's like when they talk about this male fantasy. For example, look, Liz thinks I'm fucking hot. Okay, I can talk. So do I, by the way. Correct. It's like Liz getting all the fucking credit. What am I, chopped liver or Jesus? No, no, no. I'm I'm sorry, Darren. I'm so sorry. Come on, Liz. Thank you. I'm so sorry. But when I'm in a situation with straight guys, they can't figure it out. They don't know why I'm the one that walks out with the hot girl. They have no clue. So their idea. Or are they intimidated by your vibe? Yeah, that you kind of have. No, they literally don't get it. They don't understand it. They, they do not get how I do it. Did you give them the speech I, that you gave me about like <laughs> what a butch is? Because that was pretty convincing. I don't like they just can't place you because it's like, well, like because I'm not beautiful in their eyes. This is, you know, their concept of beauty. It has been it has been suggested to them by a society right. that says women have to look X. 
Right. So in fact, if you want to talk about it, this this whole male fantasy thing, it's repressive to us. It's incredibly repressive to us. We're not people. We're just sexual objects in their fantasy. And even that, we're not really sexual objects in their fantasy. It's just a couple of girls fucking, you know, they have no clue what it's like to be lesbians. If you watch straight porn, that's your first tell. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's literally why we call this podcast Scissoring Isn't a Thing. Because we'd be like, oh, how do girls have sex? I'm like, girls aren't doing this. They're not doing this. No one's like, doing that. No one's doing it. So stop. I mean, well, Liz, you maybe. Know, I'm, I'm just so, saying, no. I no, no, they're not. Stupid. It is stupid. It's, it's stupid. stupid. It is stupid. Did you see who is the warmest color? Yes, yes, we did. And that was clearly directed by a straight man. Okay, they have a 10 minute scissoring scene in that fucking movie. 10 fucking minutes. Easy. I know. I just, I, know. I went off. I went off on Twitter. I mean, I went on a Twitter rampage against that fucking movie. Okay. We're going to play a game in a second that I created. Oh, yeah. And I yesterday yes. putting it together, looked at my wife and I'm like, should I add blue is the warmest color to this? And she was like, that's too easy. And I just, no, you anyway, we're reversing it. We're going to add to it. I'm going to add it. But, But let me ask you this, because it's like, you know, people always have these assumptions. You know, you're in entertainment. You are like the lesbian. You are the Lord Lord of of us, essentially. Do people ask you all the time of what your opinion should be on Ellen DeGeneres? Do people ask you this all the time? I have never been asked the question of what my opinion is on Ellen DeGeneres. Never. Are you joking? Are you not joking? Really? Never. Really? I mean, like in interviews, blah, 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 or just people. We get asked this all the time because she's sort of this. Every, it's like all the time as if I should have. As if I've been thinking about her over two seconds. I'm shocked that you've never been asked this. I know. Never think about her. I never think about her. Why, why should I? Well, I guess well, when, that's like, the, you know, well, that's she, the answer. She's so like, you know, if you're going to name a lesbian, I think most people would be like, oh, Ellen. So I think they think that she's representing all of yeah, us Yeah, I saw somebody said. It was some interview. They asked Ellen to name 10 famous lesbians. I was one of the lesbians that was named. As you should be. As you should. Yes. As should you should be. I was one of the lesbians that was named. But the list was really funny. And I'm trying to remember what the, the list was really fucking funny. And I can't remember it now. But I thought, that's funny when I read it, you know. But to me, Ellen is somebody who came out after I did on television. You know, so I have my opinions about that. There's a lot of them. Right. There was very few of us out at that time. There's like me, Harvey Pearson, Scott Thompson, and Sandra Bernhardt. It's kind of it. I love <laughs> me some Sandra. She is, she's she's a she's a friend Sandy of my B. boss is very close. I, I love Sandy B. She's so great. I'm the father of her child. It's my sperm that they use. Oh my god! Some powerful Wait, fucking sperm. Yeah. Are you na- <laughs> you might now be at the very top of my? Oh, you might donor. You're gonna list. ask her. Would no? you like Liz to is looking. father Liz is looking. my child? I'd be happy to be the donor. What about my kids, Leah? Any, no. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> she was just going to be like, absolutely not. Not you, Darren. That's, yeah, that's that ridiculous. Yeah. That that been rude. <laughs> knows. God knows I'm never rude. Do you ever, does it ever bother you legitimately though? Like you kind of, you alluded to this, but it's like, okay, everyone's like, okay, Ellen came out in the nineties. She lost her job for three, four years or whatever. And everyone's like, I got to give it up to her for doing that. But you came out 10 years prior to that in a public way, arguably. Yeah, no, I came out in 1993 on television. I mean, I was out since 1982. Right. We're talking about on television. It was 1993. It was 96. When she did her thing. Yeah. And let me just be clear. She lost her television show, but she then was in every fucking independent film that was made. 
for the next few years. She didn't lose her job. You know, I just want right. to be clear. That. She had work. Yeah, were you, tons. Were you worried when you came out on television about your career at all? No, because obviously there was something more important to me right. than right. my career. This was never about me and a career. You know, I started in, like I said, okay, I started in 1982 in San Francisco. You can see my hair now, cut this off. I was bald. I had safety pins in my ears, a big stomping boots. I was wearing a Bundeswehr t-shirt and I came out and I didn't even call myself Leah Delaria. I was, I performed under the name of that fucking dyke. Right? I want to so be Leah and, Delaria when I grow up. Let me just say. <laughs> so the MC would go, ladies and gentlemen, here's that fucking dyke. And out I come, right? So I don't, you don't start in a career calling yourself that fucking dyke. Thinking you're going to be on television, that you're going to be acting, that you're going to, you know, obviously I was trying to do something different. You know, I'm trying, I was trying to affect a a change in society and get laid, not necessarily in that order. Both of those things you, I I know you've done one and I'm assuming you've gotten laid plenty of times in your life, Leah. I imagine you have women throwing themselves on you. Yes, I didn't Not think it would be. Uh, so you've accomplished both of those things, but it's very impressive for you I'm, to have done that, especially in the 80s. Yeah. I'm just saying. It's, you know, now I so think- no, it with, never occurred to me. It never, I mean, and then, and I, you know, because I did that, I got an agent. I went into the quote unquote legitimate show business as opposed to part of the alternative world of being, you know, of what I was doing. So it didn't hurt me. In fact, I made my bones. I had to, I had to deal with the stupid lesbian chic bullshit at the time. Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. I, I, I put out a t-shirt a few years ago that said I survived lesbian chic, <laughs> but now it appears to be back by the way, it does appear to be back. So once again, we're going to see all those roles that are not written by lesbians, not directed by lesbians and not acted by lesbians in all these television shows and movies. They're, they're out there now. They're out there now. Nothing like being erased from your own narrative. I mean, yeah, well, that's uh, what gave you. Have you always been this confident and this bold? Like, did something happen to you when you were young and you're like, fuck it, I'm going to be exactly who I am? Because I don't think a lot of people are as confident as you. And I'm just I'm curious as to where it kind of came from. I think that comes from my parents. I think my parents raised us all to be very confident and bold. My entire siblings, all my siblings, all my siblings are like this. We're very direct. We're very ironic. We have economy-sized portion of irony at any Delaria family gathering. Very dry jokes. Where are you in the sibling chain? I'm the second youngest. Ah, and how many of them? How many? Five. Yeah, I'm the youngest of four. I think you have to like be like, hey, remember me? (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) I know, but there's nothing like sarcasm and irony. There's nothing like nobody ever forgot me. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, Except that's fair. Uzo's mom, Uzo Adu's mom, God, God bless her soul. She always forgot me. It, it used to make Uzo crazy. Uzo and I have known each other since uh, 2010. We did a show called Prometheus Bound at the American Repertory Theater. And uh, so Uzo's mom and dad came to that show several times. And then we were in the second season of Orange and Uzo's mom comes into the makeup room and Uzo and I are sitting there talking and she introduces herself to me. And Uzo's like, mommy, it's Leah. You remember Leah from Prometheus Found? And I was laughing and she turns to me and she goes, I'm so sorry. And I went, Uzo, I swear to God, nobody ever forgets me except your mother. And I kind of love it. 
Yeah. <laughs> You're like the one thing I've been asking I mean, once for. You yes. Sneak this. It's very. <laughs> yes. It's, it's like I swear, Uzo's mom was introduced to me at least ten times. I love it. I in the show. She see me on stage. She's like. I was going to say, you can't forget this dyke. And here's Uzo's mom just being like, wait, who are you again? Well, she's very focused on on her daughter, which I love. It's like, you don't, you know, it's it's amazing. That's Um, fair. As somebody that's born and raised from San Francisco, actually from the city, which tends to be rare. Give me just like, indulge me. What's your one like favorite San Francisco memory? Because it doesn't, the San Francisco you and I Live, something as a Lexington exist. or something, whatever. I'm sure. Well, you see, I was there before the Club Lex. I was there before the Club Lex. You know, I was there when it was Amelia's that we went to. We're, we're talking a long time ago. Favorite memory of San Francisco? God. Well, okay, we'll go with the Club Lex. This is probably my favorite memory of San Francisco. But uh, I was there doing a show at Josie's Juice Joint. So I was doing a three week run at Josie's. And uh, I kind of met this girl. She was kind of hot. And uh, we were hanging just out. Kind of. Just kind of. Just kind of. She was very hot. She yeah. Was very hot. Yeah, yeah, come on. I'm picking up what you're throwing down. Lately. Yeah, young, <laughs> dumb girl, you know, very hot. And uh, so we started hanging out. We went to the Club Lex and this other hot babe came in and she basically went, Daddy, I want that. And I went, Okay, so I went over and I picked up this girl and we went to a hotel and we had this crazy wild three way all night. And then the next day I had to go do this auction at the Eagle for a bear event. So I was the auctioneer at bear event. And they both as came daddy does. Yes. As yes. daddy is want to do. Oh, yes. honey, if I'm not bear adjacent, I don't know who the fuck is. <laughs> you are a hundred percent or bear adjacent. 100% bear adjacent. I, if I was a fag, I would be a bear. 100%. Yes. So yes. I'm at this event and yeah, bear boys love me too. I love that about them. They just laugh at everything. I'm like, you fat faggot fucks. And they just <laughs> laugh. They just love me. And I love them. We're the same people. So I'm doing this whole, you know, auction and everything. And uh, yeah, so the three of us hung out for a little bit. And then I left and had to go do my gig elsewhere. Literally five years ago, I think it was maybe six, I forget when it was that I was in the San Francisco um, Pride Parade on the Netflix float. It was just me. And uh, I came, I did the parade. I went on stage. I did my thing. I came off stage and this guy hands me an envelope filled with pictures. And the, <laughs> the pictures were from that event. So there were all these shots of me and the two girls like kissing me and all this kind of shit. I went, oh, wow, I've forgotten all about this. Thanks for that reminder. It's like, how fucking crazy is that? That is so, so crazy. I'm going to say that might be my favorite San Francisco memory of the moment. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. You didn't Great San Francisco me. memory. If you're going out to a gay bar in New York, I live in New York. Where are you going? Cubbyhole. 100%. Yeah. Cubbyhole. Don't you feel, though, I get, granted, we're all family. Don't you feel like there's a lot more men in there, though, there used to be? I don't think you've been there recently. Really? Yeah, now the lesbian before, bar project is, like. Well, yes. It's filled with lesbians. It's filled with dykes. And queer-identified okay. women. Because, you know, they're all fluid now. They're all well, fluid. Well, everyone's fluid. They're, they're all fluid. They're everyone's all fluid. fluid. But, 70% of the generation but, is like fluid yeah. and on queer. Sundays, there are a lot of men, but that's because there are two guys that are working the bar on Sunday. So a lot of gay boys just come in and hang out with the guys. I got no problem with that. It's first and foremost yeah. a dive bar. 
It's secondly, a neighborhood bar. It's thirdly, a queer bar. Everybody's queer bar. welcome at the Cubby Hole. They're really good about that. I and, um, yes. I went to the Cubby Hole on my birthday many years ago. And my memory, I, my best memory of the Cubby Hole was I was at the bar trying to get a drink. It was fucking packed. It, my birthday's this, in July. So it was just like. It's this tiny. Uh, of course it's packed. If three people well, are in there, I mean. it's packed. And all of a sudden I feel something behind me. And I oh. like, but I don't, no one's like physically t- like my body. I don't feel it, but I can kind of feel something behind me. And I turn around and there is a fucking woman braiding my hair. What? That would make sense. <laughs> what? Yes. And Lee, I was you didn't like, know this is how what? lesbians have sex. Lee, you weren't aware you braid each other's hair. You knew that. And I, I'm yeah, not making this women... up. Cause was that her come on or I don't it know. It was, been. I, I don't know if she was like on ecstasy or something. This is a true fucking oh. story. And I just, I, but you know, I kind of just like felt it and she's braiding my fucking hair straight up at the cubby hole. You know, with all the, the, all the things coming down in there and then the steam. And then if you're on drugs, I'm sure that braiding someone's hair makes sense at that point. Braiding is not a thing. <laughs> braiding, braiding is not a thing. We, we are rebranding this podcast. Well, we are rebraiding this podcast. 100%. To be. Leah, I feel like we could talk to you for a hundred hours. We do typically We're do obsessed with very yes. stupid games. And I'm ready. This one. Yes, this, okay. I so, love a game. We love right. a game. Are well, you going to share your screen? I'm going to share my screen, list? but I have to describe okay. the game because... Darren actually had to call me and say, what the fuck did you write? <laughs> so just hear me out. So this game and is I'm called. I'm smart, Leah. I'm smart. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, strike is incredibly smart. Oh, God. Thank you, Leah. Don't. See, now I'm part of the conversation Thanks. again. And I feel, I feel welcome. Darren's going to go Thank read you. her fucking thesaurus. So she has like big words to drop on the next episode. Thanks a lot, Leah. <laughs> All right. So this game is called Let the Lord Be With You. And given that you are the Lord of the lesbians, the Empress of the lesbians, I'm going to show you uh, some imagery and you're basically going to decide if this stays in lesbian culture or not. Like you're just basically going to bless it. Right. You are the definitive like we're blessing this or not. But I I did read your Wikipedia and it said that you grew up Catholic and as also a girl that went to Catholic school, what I would love you to do... What are you talking the about? Word. The Catholics love us. What are you Is talking they, about? Yeah. What do you, as what do you we mean? remember in it, growing up Catholic, it's let the Lord be with you and also with you. So if you want it to stay in lesbian culture, well, can you please respond with, and also with you? I really okay. thought about this yesterday. I was really, on I really did. Sure. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I grew up a cat holic and you guys grew up Catholic difference. I love cats. <laughs> okay. I, a little different. Honestly, little different. this, this entire thing makes absolutely no sense, but here we Great. go. All right. Okay. We're looking at oh. Olivia Benson now oh. from law and order SVU. <laughs> Leah's reaction is, Ugh. Uh, <laughs> there's drool coming out of the corner of my mouth. Are you fucking kidding me? She gets so we're keeping hotter, her hotter, hotter, hotter. And hotter. So she never sex. Oh my God. Uh, could we affect a trade? Like, let's trade some lesbian we can't, like Camille Pallia for. <laughs> I don't mind you know Camille Pallia. Really? Camille Pallia? We're getting rid of her? Of all the lesbians, yes. we're getting rid of Camille? All right. Give me, a, give me a dyke you would get rid of instead of her. Uh, all right. Well, we can get rid of half a Liz. Liz and Cheney. We'll, what you, yeah. yeah yes. We'll get me. rid of Liz Cheney. The fuck? Get rid of, I'm, get, yeah. I'm getting rid of half of you, Liz. Okay. For so Olivia we're going to trade Liz Cheney for Mariska Hargitay. 
Good trade. Yes, we're trading. We're it's trading. Like a baseball thing. We're going to trade this straight. To, yeah. She's a designated hitter. In She's a game, designated hitter. You would say, and also with you. So and she stays with, with us. Okay. The Abbey. And also with you. Okay. It stays. I All right. love the Abbey. Cats. And also with you. That kid is so cute. <laughs> I told you this doesn't make any sense. Because if, if Leah was saying that cats aren't allowed in our cult, like that, that would kill me. I couldn't be gay. I'd have to switch. Of course. I just have to. Lesbians eat what? Why is she even in this? Because I, lesbians love Jillian Anderson. Oh, obsessed with Jillian Anderson. Anderson. You're obsessed with Jillian Anderson. Yeah, I'm not going to say it also with you. Okay. All right. Okay. We're passing up the Pope. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck Thank him. you. Okay. Fuck him. Thank you. Bert and Ernie. Love them and also with you. And by the way, have you ever, I'm going to have my office send it to you. Have you ever seen the photo that someone, that, that I did where I spliced me? No. <laughs> with Bert and Ernie. Oh my God. No, no. but we have to see we that have, immediately. I'm going to have my office, I'm going to have my office send it That's to you. That's going to be the cover image for this episode. That's also, so good. Also have your office send me your cell phone number. Okay. No, no problem. And everything rainbow. Does it stay uh, with us or can we get rid of it? I would get rid of every inch of rainbow that this gentleman has on. Okay. I'm, I don't mind rainbow. I do mind rainbow suits. Yeah. Or rainbow. Every I literally have a rainbow flag hanging outside of my window right now here in Brooklyn. It feels like the rainbowness has gone too far. That's why I put it, this in. Well, now we're far. adding in the triangles with the pinks and the blues uh, and the blacks. Again, it's the same thing to me as the as the LGBTQAI. That it's the same thing. It's just you know I get it because it's all the colors of the world blending together in a rainbow. Got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But right. Fair. Can I, do I have to paint my face rainbow and wear a rainbow hat and rainbow everything? Those people drive me nuts. Got it. And also, to be fair, as a New Yorker, all the colors blended together. It's black. I mean, just, put them, just let's wear all black. Speaking all of that, what do we feel yes. about Donatella Versace being a part of like queer culture, but also fucking really just going for the rainbow? Like, do we keep this? Do we get rid of it? Just, it's so what? It's so absurd. It's so campy and absurd that I feel we have to keep it. Got it. I'm this is the sort of thing like, that I just laugh. Like as soon as it came up, did you see me start laughing? Yeah, I'm just because if this isn't gay, if this isn't gay culture, then like nothing can be. Like Donatella Versace in a rainbow shirt, like Don. It's <laughs> that costs what five hundred dollars? Yeah, kind of like the Dolce and Gabbana. We should all be feminists. Five hundred dollars, thousand dollar T shirt. Oh my God, I know Balenciaga came out with that gay one to like play yeah. off the gap and it's like $1,500. And I was like, okay, yeah. so you're stealing my money now to be gay. Yeah, you're cool. just literally, that's why the girls that do, um, Lauren and Chelsea that do um, every album on Sex in the City put out that great t-shirt that says we should all be Miranda. Yeah. Yes. That True. was a great t-shirt, yeah. What do we feel about like horoscopes, astrology mm. in the lesbian culture? I think if you don't really know what the fuck you're talking about, then don't fucking talk about it. Okay, I, I do you are you into astrology though, Leah? I'm yeah, I'm into astrology somewhat. What are tell us everything? What's, right your, now. Sign? Uh, yeah, what's well, your sign? Well, my sun sign is I'm a I'm a Gemini with a Cancer Moon and a Cancer Rising. Um, <gasps> what? My, yeah, my my entire chart is air and water. My entire chart. I don't even know how I fucking stand on the ground. So you just, oh my God, see, I- I'm a Gemini and she's a Cancer. I'm a Cancer, yeah. so but I, I like have an Aries rising and a Leo mm. Cancer cusp moon, really. Mm. Like I've been told both. So really, yeah. 
I'm a puddle of emotions, but like, I'll fuck your ass up. You know what I mean? Like, that sounds I, great. Yeah. Okay. Great. That sounds like the perfect threesome I'm to me. Say this. I'm ready. I'm going to say this. There's no such thing as a cusp. We had astrology for thousands of years. And then Linda Goodman writes a book in the 1960s talking about a cusp that was never spoken about before. See, I do know a little bit about astrology. Oh, you do. So, I don't yeah. know if I've ever been so turned on by an astrology I conversation. Like I, I I'm like, can I give you my time of birth? Would you like to do my chart? And Ellen DeGeneres while we have this conversation. Well, I know, sorry. Okay, well, the <laughs> next question is, do we keep, you kind of answered it. Do we keep Ellen or do we get rid of her? Of course we got to keep Ellen. Okay, fine. Okay, yeah. well, and then last yeah. but not least. And also with you. Do, and also with you. Do we keep Madonna right now or do we, like, is it time? People are obsessed with her and I don't really get it. Is that wrong? I've never been. I, I You know what? Again, I'm team Sandra Bernhardt. So. Fair. Bye. 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 Me too. Yeah. Me too. I love Sandy Bernhardt. God, I want to meet her. Oh my God. One of my dearest friends. Tell her she I did this her. amazing segment on Andy's show called Sandrology back in the yeah. day, uh, yeah. like when Andy's show first came out and I fucking loved it. And I was like, Andy, thank you for having a cool lesbian on your show and do something that's just like whipping pop yeah. culture to shit. She's just amazing. She's amazing. She, yeah. I, I go to her New Year's, New Year's show every year at Joe's Pub and we, we used to have oh, a standing yeah. lunch date on Thursdays. And now she's got her radio show and I never, I never get to see her much anymore, but she's like, she's on radio, Andy. She's I, also, oh no, I um, know. I know. Okay, good. She yeah, was yeah, five yeah. days a week. Now she's one. I know. I mean, I'm available most Thursdays. I do live in West Hollywood. Yeah, Leah, you can, you can fit us into your schedule. I don't know. We're happy like, to, uh, Darren's in New York. If you wanted to keep it by coastal, we're here for you. Well, I want you to know that I'm going to be in LA this week. Me too. I oh am. Again, you guys are Xing me out. We were having a threesome <laughs> and now I'm on the side of the bed <laughs> no, no. looking why, at you two. Why aren't you? Are you in New York? Darren, I am in New York. Where in New yes. York? Yes. I'm in Gramercy. Oh, you're in Gramercy? Smell Darren. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Right. I don't know how much money Darren has. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I got way more interested in Darren. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're all of a sudden like, and Darren, I'm going to be in New York for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I live, I live in Bushwick. I'm a Bushwick type. Um, oh, but yeah. But yeah, I'm going to be there. And since I'm, you saw me in the par- dog park. I did. With my nephew, my, my furry nephew, Francis Quito, the, the English bulldog. Yes. So, and well, and actually, see- you might not remember this, but it's my dog is named Ravioli. And there was another puppy in the park. Why not? And you had the bulldog. And there was another puppy there and everyone wanted to play with the puppy, but the puppy kept coming up to me. Then you yelled at the stupid man who I fucking hate, who mentioned your shirt. We've talked about it on this show. I died. Literally, Leah, I came on the show like the next day and I was like, I saw Leah Delaria. She's like, you're never going to believe what happened at the dog park today. And I was like, that's a story start I've never heard I know, before. And I really like- was kicking myself because I wanted to come up to you, but I was like, I'm not going to be that fucking loser in the dog park. That's I like, shut up. Well, you should have. Okay. Yeah, well. ridiculous. Everybody comes up to me. No. Yeah. Everybody talks to me all the time. Everybody asks for a picture with me all the time. I'm chill, chill, chill about that shit. Okay. Well, I will say I regret I, it. I regret it. I did see your opening. I took my friend Renee Stubbs to the, the lesbian bar project uh, when we had, when we had the uh, Jägermeister um, event, uh, right. like, you know, six weeks ago or whatever. And right. I said to Liz before this, I was like, Leah is so cool. She was taking everyone's questions. Like, 
you were just like walking around being dope. And I was like, she's going to be an awesome guest. So I know this from just seeing witnessing you. Now, granted, I didn't come up to you because I'm too much of a pussy and too scared to do that. But now that I know, so I will do that. Well, I'm so easy going. Can you see how easy going I am? I know, but also like, you I, are. We've had, we've, like I started the show. We've had another moment. Like we were on the dance floor at Giorgio's. Like we have been in the same orbit. I just didn't know she what to She put on fucking say. makeup for you, Leah. This is what I'm talking about here. It's okay. I mean, she put on makeup for you. Very impressed with the look. And yeah. by yeah. the way, can I just say RIP Giorgio's? I, I know. am so sad mm. about standard closing. I know it's well for the listeners. Giorgio's was this fantastic party at the standard. Well, the standard RIP. And yep. it was every Saturday night. Adam Braven did it. He was a DJ, DJ Adam 12. We've known each other for a million years. Not to like brag, but my birthday was the very first Giorgio's. And I have a card. I have like a little credit card that always used to get me in. And I am by no means cool nor famous. But you were there cool and famous people were always at Giorgio's and it was the best and RIP. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I wasn't at Giorgio's, so that can't be entirely percent true. I'm just you saying had, it's pretty true. Should have gone. It really was a great party. All they, they only played, um, they only played seventies and eighties music. Only. Uh, Ooh, and yes. it was a total dance party. Everybody danced at it. I went there one night and I looked up and Alan Cumming was there. Yeah. And it was <gasps> like, he was staying at the Mamatra across the street. I all standard 100%. I was, I was always in room 222. That was my room. They called it, they literally called it the Leah Dell area. They did. And oh uh, my yeah. God. And I had my own rate. Like they had a, they have a tier yeah. of rates. And I, I had my own tier. They called it the, the you know, the Leah rate. That well, where they, do you stay now that it's closed? And what's I your room number? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and what are the dates? And, and what uh, time are you checking into the hotel with as my well? Friend Wendy Engelberg. What I'm doing is I'm doing this, uh, this documentary um, for AMC called Queer for Fear. And it's a bunch of talking head queer people talking about the surreptitiously queer shit that's in horror throughout history. Cool. And uh, yeah, awesome. so that's what I'm coming to town to do to shoot that docu-, docu and visit with Francis Quito and Chelsea and Tat. That Francis Quito, that English bulldog is not my dog. That belongs to my friends, my ex, Chelsea Fairless, who I'm still very, very dear friends with, and her wife, Tatiana Waterford. First of all, it is so actually Katy Perry's stylist. It is so amazingly lesbian that you're cool with your ex and her wife. And I love that about you. And I do so fucked up that about our stereotype. Yeah, but I love that about our culture, actually, because we're fucking evolved and it's because we're women and we're smart. And we're cool and we get shit. And I actually, with all the queer stereotypes, I love the stereotype that lesbians are friends with all of their exes. Me too. I think it takes a sense of maturity. It's way more mature. But I have to say that's very recent for me. Oh, okay. Maturity is very recent for me, one. (laughs) And two, that aspect of maturity is very recent for me. Usually, but you know, um, I'm I'm a bit of an asshole. I'm an asshole. Not even a bit of a, I'm an asshole. I mean, you gotta have a lot of stamina to be involved with me. I'm an asshole. But you're also an empress. So you're an empress asshole. Yeah, no, Liz, you know, you might want to consider this. By the way, really quick, is Divine behind you, John Waters? Yeah, that, that is here. Let's I'll bring it up so that people- I could only see, see the it. bottom half and I wasn't yes. sure, but uh, I know Pink Elephant and yes. Okay, cool. That's, that's awesome. That's an yeah, awesome that's, photo. That's what, 
That's that is, that's so great. Um, the, a poster from the original um, Female Trouble that was on bus wow. stops in France. That's I so love fucking cool. In French. Talk about a piece of queer history. Yeah, that's fucking. I was staring at yeah. that and I was like, I gotta fucking ask her about this. This is so cool. I that's did awesome. a photo shoot with John Waters about two years ago, and I told him, I told him I had that. And he was like, How much did that cost you? And I went, it was free. The poster oh. was free, but that, I, the frame cost me three hundred dollars. He went, Oh my god, Leah, that's worth so much money. Yes. Yeah. Like, a grip. Yes. A grip. It is, it is a fucking grip. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's well, insane. Selfishly, I feel like we could stay here forever, but I know we likely have we to We want to be your you best go. friends. Yeah, We're going to stalk you. We're going to go up to you now. I We're going to say, Empress, em- We're going to bow down yeah. at your feet, and that's what it's going to be. So just let it happen, Leah, if it does happen in the wild. Sounds let great. it happen. Absolutely. We okay. will. We will. We will always let it. Listen, you guys reach out to me again. And I really love this. So if you guys oh, want you to do did? this again, I would be, I'm totally down. Like if I've got something coming out. Yes. Anytime. Anytime. I would love that. Really true. Look at the cubby hole with Leah Delaria that's happening. I'm going to the well, fucking cubby Well, and Darren and I are actually in New York in October going to have a party. And it's hopefully at Henrietta. Hopefully at Henrietta's. And I would love for you to come. I would love to be there. And if you are ever like bored and have like an afternoon in West Hollywood, I'm right here. You know, Leah, it's so bad you're straight because otherwise we would have hit on you so many times during this podcast. It's unfortunate that you're heterosexual. Yeah, it's choose differently next time. Choose differently. I'm gonna try really. I'm gonna try really hard to claw my way into pussy. Just, just, just try a little bit hard. I know it's difficult for you to wrap your head around going down on a girl, but if you could just for a minute, you you know, exactly, you just like give it up. You know, one, if I two. got any better at it, the girls would die. They would literally die. <laughs> so, I'm, well, I'm, I'm dead. Just, I'm deceased. This is the ghost of Christmas uh, past. Leah right is the warmest color. <laughs> Leah is the warmest color for us today, for sure. She's the warmest color in in every rainbow that we have. Oh my god. Well, Leah, you and I share our. Let's just put it this way: the fact that I witnessed you screaming at the curmudgeon at the West Hollywood dog park bonds us for life. I was there. I was direct. Fine. You didn't scream. You did fucking rip him a new one. I was like, this is fucking, but she does it delicately and with class. You know what I mean? She, I think you, I actually, from what I remember, basically I, I couldn't audibly hear everything. You were like, what the fuck? And then you throw up your arm. Remember I reported in real time and you're like, I have butch tatted on my (laughs) arm. Go fuck yourself to the effect of that. And I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) What happened was I said, queer people, this is, you know, blah, 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 blah. I was being, you know, direct. I I educated him. I told him what it was the book, blah, 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 blah. I talked to him about reclamation of language and queer people. And he goes, well, how do I know you're gay? Yeah, that's what I remember. I I remember he said, how do I know you're gay? And then you threw up your arm. What? Tattooed on my fucking arm. That's what happened. Also, I don't even need the butch. Look at me. How do you know I'm gay? It's absurd. That's absurd. That's just like, that's a Karen. Yeah. Carl, whatever the hell I get there. Fine. He was a total fucking Karen. Everybody in the dog park laughed. I mean, like literally everybody was. Oh no, I know. I was up on the hill with ravioli and we were like, what the fuck? I was like, do I approach the empress now later? Yes. 
Leo, we love you. You really are the Lord of the Les. Thank you for doing this. We love you. Thank you so much for your time. It was really fun, you guys. This is wicked fun. Thank you so much, Leah. Scissoring Isn't a Thing is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Begas. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SIAT Podcast. See you next Tuesday.